Welcome to the show. I hope you're having a wonderful, more tastic week, everybody. It's the summer of Morb! And it's never ending. Jeez. That's Andrew King. That's me. I'm celebrating Morbius the only way I know how. George Foster. I will not be celebrating Morbius, but hello. I think the thing about this joke is that it's not funny now. It won't mm-hmm. be funny when we do it again next week. But <laughs> but in like four years, when we're still doing this every week, yeah, it might start getting funny. That's my <laughs> opinion. Is like the best humor starts funny, stops yeah. being funny for a long time, and then comes yes. back around. You know, if you start yes. doing, if you keep doing something long enough, it eventually wraps back around to being funny. I'm really hoping that it's the commitment that people appreciate rather than the actual joke, which, to be clear, is not funny. Right. Uh, I want to talk about the news. Let's do it. All right. I don't want to surprise anybody. Nothing out of left field here, but I think we should talk about video game news. This is the news segment, right? So we have historically done that here. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure I didn't stumble into... Another Morbius uh, discussion. Yes. I th- oh, is this the Mor- Morbius, Morbius spoiler cast? Yeah. Yeah, we, we do the news, then you leave, then we do the pool party. <laughs> oh, shit. Pool party? I was supposed to tell him that. I didn't no, hear nothing. Man, no, there was a pool party. No. Where are you, where are you having joke. a Morbius joke? Don't worry. Where are you it's having a, a pool party? party? Is it a Morbius joke? It's like a yeah. it's like a metaverse sort of pool party. Okay. See, I don't care about that. I don't want to get my computer wet. (laughs) Um, We have some bad news about Knights of the Old Republic, a.k.a. KOTOR. Yeah, it's the second. Uh, uh, This is the second big beefy RPG that I've been excited for that this has happened to. I'm sorry for your loss. I don't think KOTOR Remake is a video game anymore. Nope. Yeah, it's on indefinite hold. Yeah, definitely delayed. The studio, what's the name of it, George? Aspire. Thank you. George always knows the names of things. Yeah. Steel trap this guy. Uh, Aspire uh, fired two creative directors and then shelved the game and is looking, uh, reportedly looking for new projects to work on. And that's all, that all sounds like really bad news. Yep. They shell. They got rid of design director Brad Prince and art director Jason Miner, and it was a week after they had shown a vertical slice of the game to Lucasfilm and Sony. Well, there you so go. So apparently, that vertical slice was not not well, well received. received. Right. Yeah. It's it's also like pretty ballsy move to cancel your biggest project and then be like, "So we're looking for more work." <laughs> yeah. What you else? You got? Right. Yeah. It seemed like a giant step up for Aspire who has until yeah, now exactly. mostly done ports and remasters. They did the KOTOR mobile ports. Um, so it always seemed like a big step for them to go from that to, you know, making a full-fledged AAA version of, like, a beloved classic, you know, updating right. that. I mean, I never want to count a team out that it hasn't done something like that because, like, that's how we get the big players in the, in the AAA space is people yeah, absolutely. You know, that haven't done stuff like that stepping up, you know? Right, but at the same time, it's not a total shock that, that this thing no. fell apart. I mean, like, right. KOTOR 2 on Switch was unbeatable, remember? Like, this right. was a couple of weeks ago. Right. I don't know I don't know if it's really the best idea to yeah. give them this. Uh, and by that, you not. mean 
by that George means it was impossible to beat it. Not that it was un, like unbeatably good. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally unbeatable. Uh, yes. Literally could not be finished. Do you uh, think this is going to happen? Do you think we're going to see anyone else take it over? Or is this just like fucked now? If this was not Star Wars and was some other beloved AAA Western RPG that is in desperate need of a remake, yeah. But Star Wars, despite the fact that we've gotten some really great Star Wars games over the years, is just mm-hmm. a uh, an extremely cursed and mishandled uh, IP when it comes to video games. Like, yeah, I mean that's especially true in the last ten years. Like we've had one. I mean, I didn't. I have not played all of them, but the only one that, like, I really liked that I played was um, the one with the ginger guy. What's that called? Jedi Fallen Order. Cal I think that's a slur. Order. I'm pretty sure that's a slur, but ginger. Uh, yeah, the G, uh, the G word. Fallen Order. Yes, of course. Uh, Squadrons is also, I believe, to be an exceptional video game. Battlefront mm. Two got quite good in the end. Hmm. I played a little bit of the campaign of that, and it was not in love. Oh, the campaign was never good. The campaign's bad, but the multiplayer Mm. is now actually pretty good. Mm. I mean, Um, it's it's. I think it's less that any of them individually are outright bad, as much as like we're listing like there's like four games that we could list outside of like the Lego ones that uh have even emerged from this EA partnership, and uh, that is a bad result for them having the license since 2013. You know, yeah. right? Which they no longer have exclusivity on. I don't. Think. I think it lapses in twenty twenty three, right? So all of these projects. Well, no, because no, the Ubisoft's news article. On one now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I thinking that it was like they couldn't launch them until twenty twenty three, but the plan was for the Kotor one to launch in twenty twenty two. So that can't mm, be right. right. Yeah, it's already and, lapsed. I think. And of course, David yeah. Cage has a Star Wars game. Yeah. Right. I forgot about that on um, purpose. Thanks, Eric. Uh-huh. It's like the game. You just lost. <laughs> David Cage, Star Wars. Uh, so Saber, yeah. Saber may be taking this over. That is the rumor. That <laughs> no. Is that the rumor? That's, that's, that's too, too funny to be true. Sa- Saber had sure. just made Evil Dead, and that is fantastic, and I love it, but they could not do a full-blown uh-huh. KOTOR remake. That is a huge well, undertaking. Like. Well, I think they have a better been... chance than Aspire, but at least Aspire had been working on Star Wars ports for ages, so they know the ins and yeah. outs. Like, that's just silly. Saber has been working on this game, like in support, and yeah. so oh, okay. Schreier's, Schreier's article over at Bloomberg, which is where this news broke, ends yeah. with um, him saying that there are rumors that Saber may be taking it over completely. But uh. I would not be surprised if this just gets shelved you know yeah i that's the world I, isn't I, ready for a kotor remake apparently i just like if you are making a remake of like one of the most beloved star wars games one of the most beloved western rpgs ever made like i don't understand why you are not getting a rpg studio on it and instead are like mm-hmm. having two studios that are known for like their work as like Porting games or like support roles, why you are mm. like having them like try to be two, you know, double A uh, yeah. studios yeah, in a trench coat a instead of getting a studio that has experience making this kind of thing. I, I think Bluepoint would do it well. I mm-hmm. think it is a symptom of 
the era of development that we're currently in where games take six to eight years to develop mm-hmm. and have cost outrageous amounts of money and when we look at you know return on investment on on these remakes and stuff it's just it's gotten weird and that's why we're seeing like studios with no experience taking these things on because they know that they can do it cheaper and faster mm-hmm. they bioware's not going to do this like bioware mm-hmm. has long-term commitments for dragon age and mass effect so right mm. yeah yeah i guess that is the question like what triple a studio even could have taken this project on yeah i mean i guess you you could sort of you know bring an indie studio up from the you know the quote-unquote minor leagues to you know sort of take something like this on Mm. but uh i don't know who even like could do that i mean because it's a huge undertaking it's not a recent game that you can just sort of update the graphics and tweak the gameplay it would it's a complete overhaul it's a complete from the ground up project that has i to think so yeah i don't i don't think on, it would right? be worth doing if you didn't kind of start right. over with this one yeah I'd i mean because like thing just got shelved I, I don't think yeah i don't think we need it which is kind of a shame but i just rather something has important as this was just either given the time and money and respect it deserves or it's just you know just leave it just do new stuff we don't mm-hmm. need to remake everything which I can't wow. believe I'm saying. But... I can't believe George is saying that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's IP. Like, why don't I want this? But <laughs> I just want like a choice-heavy Western RPG to play. I don't care if it's Kotor. I just want something like that to play. And there hasn't been a ton of it. Uh, there's a there's a new Outer Wilds on the way, right? Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. Yeah. 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 You like I mean, that? Stuff. I mean, I don't know when that'll come. I mean, because that is. Because they're also making Pentiment more stuff for Grounded yeah. and uh, the Avowed, the you know Skyrim, like yeah. So I don't know when they're going to have time to. I mean, I would assume that like the Outer Worlds team, like a significant portion of that that worked on the DLC for Outer Worlds, moved on to making Outer Worlds too. And so maybe they've been working on that since like twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, but. I don't know. Obsidian seems like they have a ton of stuff going on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. This okay. uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 rumors and leaks. Actually, yes. Th- Speaking of games that have taken forever to develop. Yeah, <laughs> so we got we got a bunch of stuff about Grand Theft Auto this week. Was any of this from like official channels? Uh, only no, from Bloomberg, but yeah, from Jason, Jason Fryer, so if it's it's likely to be true, like he's usually yeah. not reporting on stuff. He's on a roll this certain. week. Yes. Yeah. This is just the Shire podcast, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the big thing people are talking about, there's a few things, but the big thing is that we know that at least one of the playable pr- pr- protagonists is a Latina woman, right? Yeah. So it's two of them, sort of like a Bonnie and Clyde story. In okay. uh, Florida, apparently. Oh, Miami. Yeah, in Miami. Yeah. So Vice City, they, basically. They were originally planning on sort of taking the um, Grand Theft Auto V approach, but just bigger and having it span multiple cities and states, I guess. And mm-hmm. then they eventually, I don't know, maybe as a result of like the changes in culture that Schreier details in the report. 
but they have scaled it down and are just planning on having Miami like a big, you know, they're, they're talking about how it's just Miami, you know, just a massive, massive area. Right. But then they're going to add additional cities after launch. Oh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I imagine it'd be the online sort of thing because there's been Mm. rumors of GTA five doing that for years where they take you outside of Los Santos, but it's just never happened. So I imagine they've Mm. just gone, Okay, well, we'll do that when GTA 6 rolls around. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm excited for that. I mean, I like GTA 5 from, like, a gameplay perspective. I think, like, everybody outside of, like, the main three characters are just, like, the, like, most poorly realized two-dimensional characters. That's supposed that... to be, though. Yeah. That's the point of it, the parody. Right, it is parody. It's just bad parody, I think. I mean, yeah, like, I think... I like that game overall. I just think those characters are grating, you know? Like, yeah. I'd... I think, like, Trevor, Franklin, and Michael are all, like, three-dimensional characters to greater and lesser extents. But, like, I feel like everybody outside of that is just, like... I want to strangle them whenever I play it. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... You always see discourse... Uh, around the themes of Grand Theft Auto, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. obviously, it's like deeply cynical mm-hmm. and uh, and like highly critical of like capitalism and American culture and stuff. But it's it, it somehow it is not doing a good enough job be, with those themes. If everybody mm-hmm. who enjoys these games feels like it's a celebration, of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right of debauchery and villain yeah no i don't know i mean like i sort of on the one hand i agree with that and on the other hand i'm like is there is there like satire that is like broad and obvious enough that the dumbest people are gonna get it you know i guess it would be grand theft auto wouldn't it right <laughs> i mean like i mean but those i think part of the reason that people get confused about it is because it is so like i don't know it is like obvious it's obviously like satire but it sort of feels like an adam sandler movie at times like yeah like the level like i think like i said i think the main characters tend to be written pretty like at least like three-dimensionally i don't know if they're always written as they're always written well but they're written like they feel like believable characters and then once you get outside of that it's like okay yeah these are these are rob schneider characters that we're dealing with here <laughs> yeah. you know 100 percent. yeah um but so like, go ahead i was just gonna say like red dead redemption 2 is not at all like that like Yes. I mean, there there are, like, occasional side characters that you run into that have a little bit of that GTA streak in them. But for the most part, I think that's a very, like, maturely, intelligently written game. And if, like, GTA yeah. 6 has some more Red Dead DNA in it, like, I would still love for it to be satire and still aim, like, love for it to, you know, aim to be funny although i think like comedy in games is really hit or miss because you have to generate so much so many lines in order to make it work especially in like an open world setting yeah it's hard to have like all of those or even like 10 percent of them like really hit you know but i would love to see it like try and take the gta 
identity and like update it and make it more maturely and intelligently written, which I think Rockstar has shown that they're capable of after Red Dead. Yeah, or like an ounce of contemplation over like anything that you're doing in these games, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so another part of that report was that, uh, it has been in development for a very long time, which I don't think will surprise anyone, maybe as far back yeah, as since... 2014. Yeah, right. Um, and it, it would seem like avoiding crunch and sort of changing some of the, the culture at Rockstar, uh, has led to a longer development cycle. I guess maybe you could say that's part of it, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Right. There the report does say there have been some departures as a result of it. Like there have been people that have left Rockstar Edinburgh who have cited um how long GTA six is taking to develop as part of the reason that they're leaving. I see. Which I, I feel like I under like I get that. It's like if you are like trying to build a resume and like Oh, I started working on a game eight years ago that still hasn't shipped. Like that's very right. If if that game is GTA Six, though, I, I think that's you know, like it's like right. oh, I, I worked on GTA Six. It's not out yet, but it's GTA Six, right? The biggest game ever made. Yeah, right. I, but like beyond just the the resume thing, like I know people that work on live service games, and like that treadmill is so grading like it really wears mm-hmm. you down to work on like the same game for a long time and they're shipping mm-hmm. content constantly you know yeah. to, to work on one project for eight years like i can't even imagine dude i've worked on film sets that were like four months and i wanted to die like right eight years on one game mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know i mean like the amount of time that it takes for games to ship is part of the reason that i've like gotten really deep into film in the last couple of years because it's like like you said a long movie production is like like you're filming for months you know right like like directors that i like come out with a movie every couple years every year or two or three you know and like that has that that has been something that i can sort of like look to as like okay this is something i can reliably enjoy and look forward to and like games have just stopped functioning that way for me because these dev cycles are so, so long, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I imagine it feels much worse if you are not the consumer of that content, but the person that is trying Boiling to away at it. make and ship it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, okay. I We, we got a bunch of stuff. Um, so let, let's move on here. We didn't get a chance to talk about this Last of Us leak. Uh, mm. It kind of happened in between episodes. Um. And I have emotions about this, but it, it, it goes back to stuff that we've been talking about on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to see how you guys feel about this, too, because this doesn't look at all like the game I was hoping it would be. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, does the do the leaks look like what Naughty Dog officially showed off in that 10 minute, you know, gameplay it, it, trailer they put out? It's less about that. It's more. Like, it looks how it does because we've seen how it looks, but it's more how it doesn't include the gameplay additions people wanted. I feel gaslit. Yeah. When they said gameplay improvements, the easy assumption was, like, at least a dodge. At least, like, yeah, we're just, going just anything. 
Like, yeah. whatever, but none of it. It's just the same game. Okay, so yeah, so just to sum it up, this leak came out that showed gameplay, and it it did not look updated. If you thought mm-hmm. that this was going to be The Last of Us 1 that plays like The Last of Us 2, it's not really that at all. Like just, I did, yeah. yeah. It just looks nicer. And, uh, and so everybody saw this leak and was like, what the hell, this isn't what we were promised, but maybe it isn't what we were promised. And then within a day or two, Naughty Dog made a video, like a response video. They actually like responded to this leak to be like, mm-hmm. here's what you should expect. Set your expectations. And I just feel like, you know, I went back to the Druckmann Direct <laughs> at, from, <laughs> from Summer Games Fest, and it really <laughs> seemed like he said that this was the last of us that they always wanted to make, but were limited by the hardware. Right? I hate That's shit like that. Yeah. I hate it when they say that, because it's like saying... Oh yeah, that that version was shit. This like ten out of ten groundbreaking game. Like we we didn't actually want to, you know, this isn't what we wanted to do. This mm. is what we want to do, but it's like this is just the same but looks better. Like it unarguably yeah. looks better. It looks fantastic, but I know, but doesn't that mean more than just graphics? Like oh yeah, hundred percent. It seems like it. Yeah. Do we all just collectively read into this too much? No, maybe. No. I mean, I'm. It, I I think what Druckmann says, like if you're thinking about it, it leads you to think they're making bigger improvements than just adding polygons to you yeah. know, the characters' faces. It, it sounds like, okay, you are trying to do... You were you wanted to do gameplay stuff then that you were not able to do because of the hardware limitations. And That's there what are, it sounds like to me. Me too. There, there are big accessibility changes, which I don't want to discount at all. Mm-hmm. And if that's what interests you in this remake, and like that's and the value is there, uh, like more power to you, and I'm satisfied with that. But like the the remaster that already exists could have just gotten those accessibility features, right? That's like, the, that doesn't that's the thing that, yeah, yeah. That's the thing that sucks is that the accessibility features come with a seventy dollar price tag. You know, yeah. right? I mean, that's the way it like, feels. I feel like I hope that there is enough of a, like, I hope people are, like, obviously irritated by, I mean, like, you don't want there to be, like, harassment campaigns at the devs or something, but I hope that Sony takes this feedback and is like, okay, we're not. Oh, it's it's still going to make so much money. Right. I just hope they don't make it a $70 release. I hope they back off from making a $70 release because it doesn't seem like anything that they're offering in this is worth I, I, I wish, tag. but I doubt it. I think they can get away with it, which I is really I think they'll get away with it, yeah. I don't know. We're in a post-Ugly Sonic world. Things can happen. <laughs> companies can be pressured by us making fun of them. Uh, speaking of companies we're making fun of, uh, did you hear that uh, Roller Champions was canceled and then uncanceled? Yep. <laughs> oh, they, they found its old tweets? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how the rumor started, but everybody thought that Roller Champions was already dead. And I then said it. I think he said on his on his podcast, he was like, I hear this is getting canceled. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, and then Ubisoft had to come out and say, nope, we're still there's still going to be new seasons of Roller Champions. And I guess my question about this is like, do, do you guys feel like this like era of. um ignored multiplayer games is like going to end or do you think we'll always have roller champions in the world oh 
Um, uh, that's a tough one. I think the price of doing like making games is going up so much that eventually you're just going to have to be like, is this a surefire hit? Does this mm. have every Warner Brothers character ever, or is <laughs> it, you know, another Ubisoft attempt to capitalize on stuff? And yeah, I think they're just going to keep failing, and I think especially Ubisoft has to learn that no one wants this from them. Like. Mm-hmm. Roller Champions is apparently pretty good, but it's such a weird thing, right? Because like we we don't want this like ultimate homogenization of everything, where there's mm-hmm. only three franchises and they just repeat them over and over. But then right. Ubisoft does all this other shit, Hyperscape and Roller mm-hmm. Champions, and nobody cares. And we go, why did you make this? Who wants this? And it's like, well, which is it? Well, I think it's hard for a company like. Ubisoft to sort of I think what what like when you look at the difference between a indie single player game and a triple A single player game the difference is like gigantic and obvious but if mm-hmm. you look at the difference between a indie multiplayer game and a triple A multiplayer game where you are caring less about graphics and like polish and more is like is there something fun that I can play with my friends then yeah. the AAA company has less of an edge than they do in single player. You know, like the studio behind Inside cannot make Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but like indie studios come up with like multiplayer games that take off in gigantic ways all the time. You know, like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Among Us and like Phasmophobia and like so much of like the first year of the pandemic was like people just coming upon indie multiplayer games and like making them you know yeah maybe that's just it. in lockdown yeah maybe the expectation is just completely different yeah and i and i think that we're we're at the we're at a level of saturation with like mm-hmm. free-to-play multiplayer games that it it's not good enough to have a good game it has to be magic right like, it has to be Absolutely. like something mind-blowing for people yeah. to pay attention because like roller champs is fun i played a few rounds i had a good time mm-hmm. i skated i threw a ball and then i was done it was mm-hmm. and i'm done like you i ha- i'm only gonna play that game if i have two other friends who are just as invested in me as me yeah. and that's just like not gonna happen like we're all gonna get invested in you know multiverses yeah, Hell yeah well, and a lot of and a lot of it is like you know, if something takes off with like a streamer that people are watching, because like if I'm going to play a, you know, a multiplayer game and try to get my friends into a multiplayer game, either it has to be, you know, like you said, magic and like get their attention right away, or it has to be something that maybe they have heard about and are curious about because they saw somebody that they like playing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I feel like that took Among Us to like a even more stratospheric level of success when it got played by AOC and Ilan Omar and like that huge Inside, yeah. stream. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I like, it's cool. They're doing new seasons for the people that are enjoying it. I guess that's all I can say is like, at least Ubisoft has the money to bankroll something that, no, that not a lot of people are playing yeah. because mm-hmm. if it was some indie game and it, and it was not a huge hit, it would be dead already. Mm-hmm. It's sad that this is the most people have cared about the game 
and then now it's like confirmed that it's still alive. I don't think people are going to go, oh, cool, I'll check it out then. They go, okay. Yeah, you yeah. know, they say there's no such thing as bad press, but like when the only story about your game is people speculating if it's dead or not, like, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> bad press, great. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, I don't remember what I was gonna say, I was gonna say something really smart and funny, but I don't remember. That's what okay, it was. <laughs> you know what? If I think of it, I'll let you know. Okay, <laughs> okay, we we have to get to the games of the week, but I also wanted to touch on this uh, meta quest thing because it is just so truly absurd. Yeah, um, yeah. The quest two is receiving a price hike next month. Uh, in yeah. August, it will cost one hundred dollars more to buy a quest two than it does today, and this is, uh, you know, completely unprecedented. Like, yeah. If you think of the Quest 2 as a video game console, mm -hmm. which it's becoming less and less of, uh, we've never seen anything like this before. Like the PlayStation didn't stick around for three years and then cost $100 more. Like that's nonsense. Oh, right. I've never you're... seen any. I mean, like the only time I can think of anything like this happening is when there is some sort of value add that is coming with the bundle. Like if you're like, okay, well this comes with four controllers and a copy of, you know, Mario Kart double dash on GameCube. Then like, it comes with okay. Beat Saber. Yeah. Well it didn't. Okay. So it came with, it didn't come with Beat Saber four and they're adding it. But now Beat Saber is like a $20 game, right? <laughs> 30. Yeah. Okay. So there's oh, really? $70 there that's unaccounted for, you know? Yeah. 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 So Meta says Facebook says you can't escape facebook we know who you are uh facebook says that it's um the cost of manufacturing is a factor and that the price needs to go up so that they can support vr for years to come and meanwhile they're pouring billions with a b down the drain uh for metaverse shit and i don't know how they're spending this money but i know it has nothing to do with video games right no, and like it definitely isn't going towards the graphics because Meta is the ugliest shit I've ever seen. Like every time Mark Zuckerberg is like in some Meta meeting, it looks like a Roblox game that a ten-year-old, like baby's first <laughs> Roblox game, is what it looks like. Like I'm amazed that this is like the product of like one of the most like valuable companies in the world. It looks so so bad. Yeah. So obviously, anybody who didn't buy a Quest at two hundred dollars isn't going to buy one at three hundred dollars. Right. So the only thing I can imagine is that this is a play at, well, what, who, who Meta is actually targeting with VR, which is, uh, which is the, the tech industry, right? And mm -hmm. yeah. I have to imagine that the idea is we, uh, we aren't selling these to gamers. They're not, it's not a successful platform for video, for video games. So mm -hmm. we are pivoting to this sort of virtual office metaverse mm -hmm. uh, direction. And if we hike the price up a hundred bucks, then when we convince some startup in Silicon Valley to buy 80 of them for their employees, mm -hmm. right. Then that's 8,000 more dollars. Right. It just is like, if that's the move that they're making, it's bizarre that they're bundling it with Beat Saber and not like <laughs> virtual reality Excel. I think all that stuff is like free, that. though. I think yeah. all of the productivity tools are free. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But I don't know. I think you're I, right. I mean, like, 
the audience that is there for VR doesn't seem like it is growing significantly. You know, I think like, like I got a VR headset like a few years ago so I could play Half-Life Alex, and there hasn't been a killer app that I have that is like broken out to like bring people in since then. True. Yeah. Did you play Resident Evil 4? No, I would like to play that, but that you isn't should, that a yeah. quest exclusive? Quest 2. Quest okay. 2 exclusive, yeah. Oh jeez. Uh yeah, uh Facebook are horrible stewards for VR. I mm-hmm. like I'm not uh I'm not afraid to say that. But I I think that the silver lining here is on the same day that this announcement was made, PlayStation shut off a bunch of new stuff for the PSVR 2. Mm-hmm. Uh and so like VR for gaming does exist. There is investment happening, significant investment. Right. We're getting a Horizon launch title yeah. for the PSVR 2. So, like, we don't know that much about the hardware, or, like, we don't even know when the release date is. We don't know what the price is. Mm. Um, yeah. But, but uh, if Sony is making this kind of investment, it means VR isn't dead, and, like, that's all we can really hope for right now, because... God damn it, Facebook is doing their damnedest to, to kill it. Mm. Uh, at least as a, a video game market. What do you think platform. is the thing that like brings VR like up a step to the next like stage of like widespread adoption? Is it just like, okay, it's not a it's not a visor. I mean it's like a, you know, it's like glasses now that I can wear instead of like a helmet on my face, you know? Mm-hmm. Is that like the big thing that has to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're almost there. It's a pivot from the disembodied virtual reality to the uh, the augmented reality, mm-hmm. uh, right? That combines just like the physical world uh, with yeah. games. I think that's what gets us there. And I think mm-hmm. like the stuff Niantic is doing on mobile is a is a big step. Like um, the Paradot which is their like Tamagotchi thing mm-hmm. is like pretty revolutionary in terms of augmented reality. What, mm-hmm. what you can do with this thing. Like you, you've got like a, a living pet that you can interact with. It's a, it's a big step forward from like Pokemon goes, Hey, look, he's floating over there. Look, it's a Charizard mm-hmm. he's sitting on a bench. It's a big step forward. And I think that that is the direction that VR needs to go is to, mm-hmm is to become AR. And I think AR can be like what you're describing, like the visor or like the Google glasses or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. when, that's when I think it, it can, uh, it can really break through. I, th- yeah. I think that there are just too many limitations uh, of, uh, of VR. It doesn't matter how good the graphics get, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the physical interaction of VR is a limitation for people and it always will be. Yeah, I mean, Half-Life Alex is a great game, but that's the last time I played anything in VR because it is so unpleasant to, like, yeah. especially wired VR. I played that on an Index, and that is just, like, so sweaty. If you wear glasses, they're smushed into your nose, and, like, it's painful. Unless yeah. you, like, buy a specific set of, like, VR glasses, which, like, sort of bend in a different way. Like, it's just not going to be comfortable, yeah. and you're going to be dripping sweat when you get out of it. And you're I have... Be- uh... It makes me feel sick. Mm. Right. And it makes people feel sick. I have lens inserts. I snap in lenses. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I love 
VR. I've spent a long time in VR and I cover it a lot, but it's just mm-hmm. more and more bad news these days. So, and you're no, right I about the what, killer app, man. I, yeah. I don't know what's it. It's a, it's part, partly an IP thing, right? Like Resident Evil four is a big deal because people love Resident Evil four and there's really great games in VR, but like, I can't sell somebody on Lone Echo two that doesn't play VR mm-hmm. already. It's like, right. that's just not going to happen. If like a big series, like that was the thing that like Valve was able to do to sell a ton of index yeah. units was like, okay, we're bringing a series that hasn't had a new entry in, you know, 13 years at that point, mm-hmm. like to VR, this is the next mainline basically. I mean, Alex does not have a number on it, but it's a mainline half-life entry. Right. You know, it isn't like, you know, head crab cart or something it, like is like a real, you know, yeah mainline first person shooter like i don't know what else there is that has that kind of sway like like horizon call of the mountain is a big ip but it also kind of looks like a on rails you know railgun game that is very different than like what horizon zero dawn and forbidden west are so i'm like Mm -hmm. what has the cachet to bring people in and i don't know maybe it's only valve i don't know maybe it's like a new like if they made portal 3 exclusively for you know vr then maybe that would oh, have to get it then. Yeah. sickness be damned i would have to get it then yeah well we'll see how much sony puts into psvr 2 you know like mm-hmm. it, it felt like the content really dried up for the first psvr um and I don't. I don't think people played a lot of the really good stuff that came out in sort of the later life cycle. Like I think Iron Man was really good, and mm. either people had already traded in their PSVRs by then, or they were just done with it. Yeah, I really so. wanted to play the Astro Boy game, but like it being on a VR console that I didn't have helped me back mm-hmm. from playing mm-hmm. it. But I would. Yeah. I would definitely. Yeah. Yeah. If if the prices, I mean, but like we're not normal right because like we're people that cover the game industry for a living and like are interested in playing a broad range of games but like i don't know what gets it to the average gamer except for like a low price point and it being really easy to use uh yeah when the when the quest 2 came out i wrote if this thing doesn't sell nothing well and i still think that's true like the 200 dollars completely wireless you know, weighs nothing, takes up no space. Like mm-hmm. that, that was the best VR is going to be for the foreseeable future. And people still mm-hmm. buy it at 200 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Should have been selling like the 2DS, you know, yeah. it should have been flying out the door, but it, but they it need didn't. to make the thing from her that Joaquin Phoenix played with his fingers, controlled like that, that little stink. You remember the little stinker yeah. that he controlled? Yeah. The little should've... guy running up the mountain. Yeah, they should bring that. They should make that. I'd play that game. Speaking of games, I think that we should take a break because when we come back, Jade's going to be here with two Japanese RPG reviews. That poor woman. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe she did that. Two massive jrpg reviews in one week uh we've and got... during the summer of morb no less she could have been seeing morbius like <laughs> yeah. 40 times at the time it took to play one of those games good segue good segue xenoblade chronicles 3 live alive and george is going to tell us about his exo primal session Hell which yeah. i'm excited to hear about oh and i played a gundam game nice. that i want to talk about yeah 
I don't know anything about Gundam, but this game is really great. So uh, we'll be right back with all that. Welcome back. We are joined by the incomparable Jade King. I do try. Hello. Uh, you make it look so effortless. I know, I know. Jade, you have been on a journey. I have. It's a, been a long one. About a month long. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, a massive undertaking. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh, is out now, right? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's out today. It's but, out today. Wow. If you if you look up the game on YouTube, the first video is the ending, so be careful. Yeah, <laughs> so we're not talking spoilies because this is a very no long spoilies. game. I got told um, off for putting a, a screenshot in my review that was a spoiler by Nintendo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, they emailed me, they weren't happy. Yeah. Yeah, they're this is uh they're being very guarded about spoilies for this one. Um but we have a lot to talk about because you put a good 50 hours into it, didn't you? My final tally was 56 hours. Mm. And that's like, I saw some reviews talking about like 140 hours. But to me, that feels like a, for a really heavy estimate. That's doing everything. Okay. But I think if you're fairly liberal with some of the side stuff, you can finish this game and Give or take 60 hours, which is on par with previous games, I think. Right. Uh, you have talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago for the preview. Mm -hmm. But I guess uh, the first question is, have your impressions changed uh, as you got closer to the end? I think they improved. Because I, I okay. already talked last time about, like, I don't, I don't think I go over the plot stuff again. Because I think people are familiar yeah. and I'll be here all fucking day. But... I was on like a four out of five when I talked about it last time. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh, where is the story going? Is it going to like capitalize on these themes of like humanity and exist existentialism and so on. And it very much only gets better and better and like more focused and, and character driven in a way that the previous games kind of weren't like, I love two, but it was almost too zany to take seriously. And I, as much as I enjoy one, I think that game is, I don't know, relatively bland in its characters and world compared to what Free does. Like mm. there were mo there were cutscenes in this game that yeah, they last for about an hour, but I was like putting my controller down, like leaning forward intently, like tearing up, going, Oh no, man, this can't be happening. Like my cat girl gonna be okay. Like that, that kind <laughs> of shit. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> They're really gonna do it to him. And yeah, my final score was five out of five because I very much wow. felt by the end this was is like the most cohesive and confident game that monolith soft has ever made it has a few shortcomings like in terms of like there's a few superfluous mechanics that lean into the progression of some characters which are like okay you don't really need to use them and perhaps it goes over its like main plot themes and convictions a little too frequently in that typical anime way like characters yeah. will tell themselves like I need to do like the internal monologue. Like I need to do this to get through to so-and-so so I can like, and they just keep save my you. friends and they do that shit. But like, it's just, I don't know. It's just very well done in a way that is both like anime melodrama and like surprisingly well-written and fascinating, like thematic ambition. Like 
one of my favorite things, and I suppose this is slightly getting into spoilers, is well, the surface level. I'm not going to spoil any events, but like the two main characters are uh, Noah, who's like the blue haired boy you see on the box, who's like got the giant red sword, and then Mio, who is the cat girl. She's like the Welsh one who's similar to Mia from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm. Their relationship is like surprisingly detailed and realistic for a JRPG like this. Like there, I suppose it kind of develops into like a romance, but it doesn't feel like it's leaning into cliche or tropes. It feels like, oh, these two have come together through parts of like destiny and looking at their backstory. It's like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And it's really well told because they're both offseers, which I mentioned in the previous podcast. Their job is to basically play a funny little flute, which allows their <laughs> dead comrades to right float up into the sky it's more of like a symbolic gesture but like it ties into the wider themes of the game in a way where i don't know i was just really smitten by it and i was Hmm. relieved when my review went out that i wasn't on my own about liking this because that's always this fear with a game you really enjoy like is it actually garbage and Hmm. everyone else is going to give it a seven and i'm going to look really stupid (laughs) are you calling out my resident Evil netflix review right now Maybe I w- I watched one episode of that. I need to watch more because I'm like, people keep saying it gets good. It's watchable. Uh, you're talking. <laughs> you're talking a lot about uh, the story, and I saw a tweet. I wanted to get your take on. Uh, it Hit said, I'm "Ready." It said, "If you want a story, play Xenoblade Chronicles One. If you want combat, play Xenoblade Chronicles Three. And if you want anime titties." plays Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Your thoughts? I think... Right, listen to you. I got sent a death threat on Twitter yesterday, as usual. You know. Just one? Yeah, just the one. And it was from a dipshit who blocked me. And it was in response to an article I wrote. And the headline is, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is just the right amount of horny. Okay. Because it is. Like, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 isn't very horny. <laughs> What like, a lukewarm take to threaten someone's life over. Yeah. Like, I mean, did they uh, want it to be more horny or less horny? I'm not even sure. No, they they they, they accused me of being a child molester. Of course. There's loads of, of slurs course. in there. It was very course, good. But no, right. Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is pretty straight-laced. And that's probably why it's my least favorite of the series. Mm. Because it, it's it's got excellent characters, an excellent combat system, a gorgeous world hardly any anime titties to be seen like (laughs) it was on the wii like it was before fire emblem awakening came out and nintendo like saw that titties weren't so bad xenoblade chronicles 3 is like a wild like hentai anime party like that game is like a ridiculous jrpg and it's super fucking horny in almost like an egregious way which i've also written about but i love that game Mm. because it knows it's filth (laughs) <laughs> in a lot of ways <laughs> but it but it rolls with it like pirate and mithra are in smash and just look at their character designs and like there's so many characters in that game where you're like oi oi like did miyamoto approve this like it's not exactly clear but xenobay chronicles 3 right it takes the baseline anime aesthetic of 2 and and dars it down a little bit mm-hmm. because the character designs are quite i don't know modest but they're still like compelling and there's still like some fan service there but 
it's been toned down in a way where the hardcore fans of two are now like screaming censorship. It's like, oh, mm. the woke brigade have forced monoliths off to get rid of the titties. Like they're destroying the world, like that kind of thing. <laughs> but also, I think the aesthetic of free is excellent. The story is excellent. And so is the combat. Like it feels like, even though part of me, like the degenerate part of me, prefers the aesthetic of two, uh-huh. I feel like overall Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is the strongest like when when you tie it all together because the storytelling or the combat isn't compromised by how juvenile the graphics can seem if that makes sense because with two some really dramatic moments were kind of ruined because of how some of the characters look like Rex looks 12 and he's like got these two horny anime mummies like crushing on him throughout the entire <laughs> game and it's quite strange like that's like pyra and mithra it's like okay this is a bit strange and and nia like she's horny for rex everyone's horny for rex in that game i'm but he's like rex. yeah see like <laughs> but yeah that to me i i somewhat disagree with it but also i see where they're coming from okay uh they... i imagine oh go ahead I was gonna ask: Did they are the vagina bones still gone? Did they bring them back? Like, what's what's the deal? Oh, this this is not the vagina bones game, unfortunately. Oh, I thought Xenoblade vagina... Chronicles Two was the vagina bones game. No, that's Tokyo Mirage Sessions, like fire, oh. the Fire Emblem Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, right. There's a, a cutscene mm. in that game. In the Japanese version, she has vagina bones, which don't exist. <laughs> and in and in the in the English version, she doesn't. They got rid of them censorship the government didn't do it but it's censorship you know (laughs) i i imagine that this uh was a pretty rough play on the switch yeah just in terms of the hardware right you are right i wrote after my preview that the xenoblade chronicles franchise has always felt somewhat hamstrung by the hardware it's it belongs on yeah like compared to xenoblade chronicles 2 Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is, is a profound improvement in terms of performance and image quality, but you can still tell the size of this world is... I'd say it's, like, above what the Switch is capable of. Like, you, you will see occasional frame rate drops or, like, blurry aliasing or dodgy moments in image quality where you're like, oh, okay, if this is running... I can't imagine how beautiful this game would look if it was running at like 4K 60 FPS on like yeah. a PC or a PS5. Like, because the art design think, is that striking. Do you think mm. they're just like factoring in remakes at this point? They're like, yeah, all this shit is bottlenecked because we know, you know, in five years we're just going to like do the remaster. I don't know. Because you'd hope when whenever they do the Switch fucking Pro, which is mm-hmm. soon, hopefully that a lot of these games will just much like some ps4 games do they'll just accommodate the more powerful hardware and just perform and look better as a consequence because even xenoblade chronicles x like part of me thinks they haven't ported that because it's almost like too ambitious for what the switch can do because like really maybe because that game is almost feels more vast and free but i think that's just because Mm. free's aesthetic like ends up getting a bit blurry because of that Mm. thankfully like the story sequences are often like pre-rendered so it kind of ups to 1080p when the big shit is happening so you aren't having to deal with that but aside from that i had like one crash throughout like 50 hours which was just like i don't know what caused it it was just like uh oh hmm. game gone fucky wucky 
But, but did you have like big frame rate issues during like combat? No, not really. There's oh, there was good. only one desert area in the game where it went down to like 25 fps i think and that wasn't uh-huh. during combat it was like spanning across a massive vista but it isn't like a state it's i'd say the performance isn't like something you'd notice very often but when it does crop mm. up it's like oh i'm playing on a switch aren't i like you remember that fact right uh and you gonna play this game am i i would like to um I think I said on the last episode that I have triangle strategy. I bought triangle strategy and I've only played like five to six hours of that. So I don't want to do what Jay did. I want to pace my JRPGs out. So if I ever beat triangle strategy, then I'll play Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So now. (laughs) Well, I like, I like triangle strategy. I would like to beat triangle strategy. Yeah. And so someday I'll play it, but maybe it will be in time for the Switch Pro port that you were predicting, Eric. I'm sure that will happen, George. You don't mm-hmm. play you don't play JRPGs, do you? Uh, I, I play quite a few of them, but Xenoblade, every one I've started, and I spend two hours and go, "God, this is my shit," and then I just forget about them and never go back. So I just, I just won't start it this time. Same with Pokemon. I'm not going to fall for it. Just just leave it. Mm. Jade's 15 minute passioned synopsis <laughs> of the game. The three of us are just like, okay, yeah, I'm glad mate. you liked it. <laughs> I will say the Xenoblade Chronicles franchise is probably, um, even though it's Japanese, it's a more passionate example of British culture than the entirety oh, yeah. of the United Kingdom. Like the mm. accents in this game, Eric. There's an American <laughs> girl in your party, and I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like you ain't scouse that she's talking like a fucking schoolgirl out of Mean Girls or something. <laughs> but like the yeah. Welsh is back. There's some Yorkshire accents, some scouses. Like it's incredible. Like I'm glad they've kept that up. Even Culture. even if like during some emotional moments with the voice acting, you're like, oh, didn't direct this right, did they? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, like oh my god, there's some cutscenes in this game that are just like immaculate immaculately directed and just like they have that like emotional resonance that like that's both silly but it's also you're invested enough to really care when shit hits the fan mm-hmm. like oh there's so many moments but like and that they're, they're well paced enough where it's like there was only one moment in the entire game where i was like oh this is a faff like and it's towards the end where like you have to gather like five pieces of this magical like material to build a boat to get to the final area and like i was like oh this is a fucking fetch quest but they do some interesting enough stuff where you're finding bosses or playing small mini games or like they intersperse cutscenes because there are moments where normally at the end of an rpg you'd only do that fight three bosses in a row thing where it's like oh it's got multiple stages but there's a moment like at the end of the second act where you're taking prisoner and there's like a 30 minute cutscene then you're kind of taken up to the big bad you fight them there's a big cutscene and narrative revelation there's another boss mm-hmm. and there's another like big cutscene and narrative revelation then another boss and Jesus, some like some March 3 yeah i know it is <laughs> and it's like in the middle of this game and i was like it was already 1 a.m and i was like oh fucking hell i need to go to bed <laughs> but like i can't stop like i need to know what happens because some shit happens like 
yeah fucking they play a song that's when you know it's emotional because like they have a song <laughs> on the phone. Like, oh mate and i've seen this clip going around on youtube and i really hope it's not spoiled because there's so many cool moments like oh yeah xenoblade chronicles 3 is very good like it will be high on my game of the year list i think i'm already confident in that i'm happy that this is here and that it's come out in the summer uh just because we haven't had a, a really dense really hype game since elden ring probably yeah, we get like, hype. yeah so this is like you know and it's... we normally don't get big games in the summer anyway yeah because mm. this was pushed forward this is going to come out in september but yeah i think nintendo just had it in the yeah, oven like and it was it. ready and they were like oh okay we're pushing splatoon back so bring this baby forward the people I was like, yes it. please <laughs> cool um all the reviews are great jade's review is great we'll have that linked in the description it is good trust me uh you also reviewed live alive which i have played a bit of too and i'm yeah, so very curious what you think what a weird little it is game strange, isn't it? what a bizarre game it's not uh, as good as xenoblade but it's more experimental and for that i very much admire it i think it's really interesting that it feels so experimental, yet it's a 30-year-old game. I know. It's like, like, it still feels experimental. I wrote this in my preview, I think. Like, if this game didn't end up, like, buried in Japan and it came out in the West, like, would JRPGs look any different now? Because, like, this does some yeah. wild shit where I'm like, oh, wow, I've never seen a game do this before. Yeah. But it's, so, like, old as shit. It's older than me, mm. like, it doesn't I, I was about to say it doesn't feel old. There's definitely some stuff that in this that's still No, there old. is. There's like where is it? I think it's the town where you play as like the teenager in the present day and he could read minds and shit. Mm. Like there's some old school JRPG jank. Like it doesn't tell you where to go. Mm. This happens in a few of the in a few of the paths. Like it's kind of just talk to everyone and figure it out. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of what you have to do. So and it's frustrating because it's mm. it's slow and meandering, like an old JRPG would be. Because they haven't really updated that; they've just made it look gorgeous. Right. It's exact. It's like it's sh- it's the kind of old game where it takes you a long time, but it but it shouldn't if you knew what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Exactly. So like it, like a two D Final Fantasy. If you knew, yeah. You- breeze through it right so so like if you're not patient enough it can really feel like you're wasting your time while you're playing because the core gameplay of live alive is figuring out how to get from point a to point b (laughs) yeah essentially (laughs) yeah and because it because of like the the depth of the level design figuring out how to get from point a to point b like is fun and Mm. interesting uh and the way that each story handles that um, is 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 really fascinating because there's there's eight different campaigns. I've played the Shinobi and the Spaceship. Right. Okay. That's as far as I've gotten. But even just seeing those two, how they handle the gameplay flow differently, mm. is really fascinating. I think it's really cool how every story has like has the a map that's in its own style. Yeah, I thought that was super so, cool. So like the Shinobi one has a like a watercolor drawing of the compound that you're infiltrating. Mm. But then the the spaceship one has like a schematic of the spaceship. Um mm. 
that stuff is really cool. Um, but really what uh, we can talk about the combat. Cause I'm interested to see what you think about that. But besides like some odd combat moments and in the space one, there was like none, but most of the game is just figuring out how to go where, you know, you're going, like figuring out how to get around the environment. Yeah. Uh, and that is a, that is a odd gameplay flow, but it, I enjoyed it a lot. Strangely. Yeah, I think the gameplay flow is is complicated further because all of these like eight different characters and timelines, like they're taking inspiration from like specific genres, like western, sci-fi, like Back to the Future and shit like that. Yeah, and as a result, the narratives of these individual journeys kind of follow the pace of what they're inspired by. Yeah, so that makes it extra strange, like some have a bit of levity for you to explore while others are just like these tense fast-paced things while others are, are almost slower and more glacial like it wants you to like despite how old the game is like it wants you to like live in the heads of these characters and like almost consider them as independent games even if like as you said the combat kind of carries across all of them in the the two that i've played so far and you can tell me if this changes but the voice acting is incredible yeah it's still great it's great across all of them i can't believe i obviously the original one did not have voice acting right it, mm. it was like a super nintendo game i think yeah yeah uh the performances are just so good uh i will say though i i'm a little bit offended at the implication in the future in the spaceship one that british people still exist in the future yeah I know there's, there's no way you people are making it they fucked up yeah, <laughs> yeah they <laughs> fucked that up there's an australian a couple americans and a british person on that spaceship and i don't well, think are australians gonna make it like it's well hot over there they got that's spiders. a good point i don't think australians are gonna make it either unfortunately like, britain will kill itself well, i hope we do <laughs> yeah no no i i think the chinese will be there oh china will fucking outlive all of us yeah um, not because you want them to but they just will. the the spaceship story andrew i think actually you will appreciate as a uh, a sci-fi and horror connoisseur mm. it is a you are a uh a little ai guy he's kind of like a he looks like a kirby Ooh. almost uh and you've just been built like you've just been born and you don't really have a role on this ship because you're like an experimental uh robot uh, but there's there's some weird shit going on in this spaceship. You wake mm -hmm. everybody up from cryo, and you learn that you're a cargo ship, and you're hauling a behemoth. It's like mm. a magical beast through space. Mm. Uh, and then all, and then the ship like loses all its power, and there's uh oh, like, and there's some uh oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, stinky, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it's cool. It's just like it's just like really bizarre and unique but it pulls so much from you know from like literally from alien and from mm. all these genres that it's playing with yes that like, sounds very cool yeah uh and then and then like the shinobi one is very like authentically a like ninja story the western mm. one is super cool is it there's a there's a i think the the near future one is basically just a mecha anime like pulling from like sick stuff like gunbuster and like those saturday morning anime cartoons like it's got an opening mm. song like featuring the met really that made for the game it's ridiculous but mm -hmm. it's there's a lot of fart jokes in this game maybe that was a nice <laughs> thing 
It's like there's uh, a you meet a professor and he just shits himself and he's like, oh, sorry, <laughs> want to come down to my basement? Like that happens. No, I you meet have... him in the toilet and he farts and it's like, oh, this is funny. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have not gotten a handle on the combat yet, and I think it's really weird and unpleasant. Yeah. I... Am I going to figure it out eventually? It it kind of doesn't change a huge amount. Like there's the wrestling one, which is, in terms of like story, I think that's like a great journey that you go on. But like the combat, the basis of that playthrough is just like, oh, fight these six different people inspired by professional wrestlers, and it's just fight after fight after fight. And the manner of completing the combat and a lot of the routes is kind of the same. Like it's it's grid based, like Disgaea or Final Fantasy Tactics, but more simplistic i think like you can move a certain amount and you need to attack before your movements run out otherwise the enemy will just attack and there's a lot of permutations where if you kill the big guy on the screen all of his minions will die right there's just a boss and so on but to me i kind of thought the combat was the weakest aspect of the game like that wasn't what i was enjoying it for i was kind of doing it to get through to see the stories, to meet new characters, and to to see the fun little mini games that they'd fit into each of these new paths that you go on. But yeah, I I got the hang of the combat, but I'd never say I got to a point where I was really enjoying it. I just can't seem to figure out how much I can move or when it's my turn to attack. Because it doesn't really teach you that. Yeah, the the blend of real time and turn based, it's just like really hard to get a handle on, and mm. also like the difficulty spikes like yeah those are really evident yeah there's there's in the shinobi story you just have to figure out that there's dudes you can't fight it's not clear like they can they'll just kill one shot you if they want to yeah oh try again i think that's another thing they maybe could have ironed out because some of these i won't spoil it but a lot of these initial playthroughs are very short, but the game gives you like equipment and a leveling system and new abilities. And it's like, you sometimes don't feel like the the game's super unique, like format almost works against it in that sense. When it's right. like, oh, you never feel ownership over progressing these characters. Because it's over so, so quickly. And yeah. the combat almost feels like an obstacle as a consequence. Like I almost would have preferred this if it was like an exploratory visual thing. Like, I think mm-hmm. people enjoy games like Earthbound and Omori, like, or, or even Undertale. Like the combat system in those games is like people could take it or leave it in a lot of ways. And this feels the same to me. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't get in the way enough that I like am gonna. Yeah, put it it's down not like a deal I, breaker. It's just like, yeah. oh, here I go killing again, like that. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, you just try to fight. <laughs> and like the in both the ones I have played, you can pretty much just avoid combat. Anyway. Yeah, especially if there's unless it's like a scripted encounter. If there's enemies on the field, if you're savvy enough, you can just walk around them. And the shinobi kit has this really weird thing where it can he can turn invisible. Yeah, he but, just puts up a sheet and it's shit. He, like it well, really doesn't work. It just it's like a rectangular cutout that just turns him invisible. You kind of have to you kind of have to get the enemies to notice you. Step yes. back, then put the thing up. And then kind it's of just so hope they don't walk into you. Yeah, it's you have so to run weird. past. Like, as gorgeous as the graphics are, you can tell that underneath it all is still an SNES game. Like, <laughs> yeah, you like, okay, they've made it look like Octopath Traveler, but it doesn't quite play like Octopath Traveler. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but still a cool game and doesn't take very long. How long did it take you to to, to finish? Not long. What was it like? Maybe like fifteen hours. I'd have to check. So I'd have to pause. Yeah, for, for eight different campaigns. Fifteen hours is a is a. Break. It's nice because you can just play one of them in one sitting and then just get to the others. Because yeah. they do some stuff happens in the final act that I won't ruin. That is also cool. But yeah, yeah, you can't do the last one until you've done all the other ones. Given that I was doing this alongside Xenoblade, I was almost like using this as a palate cleanser. Like, oh, I'll mm. dip into this at, like before I go to sleep and just slowly chip away at it but yeah it's cool like i'm super duper glad this game came over here and i don't know who at square enix and nintendo decided to bring this back but yeah good on them for doing it but good on them yeah it's cool that about the campaigns being that short is the thing you've sold me or the thing that you said that sold me the most on it is like the idea that i can play through a jrpg campaign and like little bite-sized chunks is very yeah it's really cool I kind of want more games like this. Like, imagine like a modern Persona or Final Fantasy spin-off where it's just like disparate pictures and the characters' lives, and you you gain a greater picture of this single cohesive world before coming together at the end. Like, mm-hmm. I'd love to play games like that. Like, and yeah. we've seen like films and other things do it, but it's yeah. weird that we haven't seen more games like this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, of course, the great, the best Resident Evil game does it. Resident Evil Six. Yeah, see? Yeah. Oh my god, it does. It's, it's like oh. it's like learn from the master. Yeah. Resident Evil 6 is basically a spiritual successor to Live Alive. Yeah, because they That's come right. together at the end, don't they? In yeah. Resi. God, that's I think so. Thing. I don't remember. Thanks for pointing that out. Thank you. Yeah. That, made that game's longer better. than Live Alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you unlock the A to play through at the end, and that's like the worst one. It's like, oh, here you go. Sucker. Oh, Wanna play some more? Oh, yeah. Sorry, this well, isn't a Resident Evil 6 I, podcast. When I played it, I don't know if this is in the original version, but in the Switch port, there is a way that you can just turn on an arrow that is constantly showing you where to go. So you can, like, <laughs> turn it into, like, you know, just the whole game is, like, just pressing the left thumbstick forward the whole time. So that's pretty cool. So you can get through them pretty quickly. I think I had that on for, like, the whole eight of playthrough. Bad game. Uh, let's talk yeah. about a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you are into the new Hitman stuff. Yes, Hitman 3. Agent 47 is back. He's better than ever. <laughs> Tell, um, is it, what is it? It's a new map? It's a new map. Ambrose Island is what it's called. It what, is, what's it like? It is... So it is... In the Andaman Sea, I think is what it's called, which is off the coast of Thailand and Myanmar, so in Southeast Asia. Um, And you're on an island that is sort of split up in territory between your two targets, one of whom is the leader of a militia, and the other of whom is the leader of a, like, pirate syndicate. Hmm. And so you're, like, going between, you know, their territory to try and take them out, um... And uh, there's also something that Hitman, you know, levels occasionally have is like a third objective, which is not like an assassination. It's just like a, you know, you have to take out a computer or something. And this has that, which you can take out manually by sneaking into this, you know, cave system and, you know, taking it out. Or you can just get two card keys and uh, use that to... um, 
just by having them is enough. So classic. Yeah, so classic Hitman stuff. Um, it also just has me, you know, playing other Hitman levels. Like I went back and played Berlin, which is an all timer. Yeah, and uh, I played. Um, the one in Argentina. I'm trying to remember Mendoza. Mendoza is what it's called. I went back and played Mendoza as well, and uh, those are still great levels. Um, this actually is probably the weakest of the Hitman Three levels, except for the train. But the train is going for something very different, right? Um, yeah. If you haven't played Hitman Three, it's like there's like a you know level at the end which feels like sort of a dry run for IO's take on James Bond, where you you know, come to at one end of a train and then have to make it to your target at the other end of a train. And so instead of the normal sprawl of Hitman, it is, you know, just cars and a train that you have to get through. And so that one is, um, I would say that one is a little weaker than this, but this definitely feels a little weaker than the, the main maps that Hitman 3 shipped with. Um and that's mainly, I think, at least for me, right? I mean, and I'm saying that now with only, you know, probably six playthroughs of the level, five or six, uh-huh. which, like, in terms of Hitman is not much, you know? Right. Uh, because these maps are designed to be played over and over again and find all the different ways to kill a target that you can and, um, you know, all the costumes that you can access and, like, so I'm not very far into it in terms of like how much I've played other Hitman levels, but what is striking me as a little weak about this one is that they replaced mission stories with um, a new like NPC kind of quest giver system. So if you've played Hitman, the mission stories are basically tutorial routes through a level that are designed to show you all the different parts of a level. Usually they have three or four and that will take you like through all the steps up until killing your target. And then it'll leave like how you kill your target up to you, but it's designed to get you to your target, show you different things that you can exploit, show you all the different things that are going on in the level, basically just allow you to get your bearings on a new Hitman level. Um, and this doesn't have that, and I think it's a little bit weaker for hmm. not having it. They're, I think, trying to build on what they did with Hitman 3's Berlin level, which also didn't have mission stories. That one was like, Agent 47 arrives at this nightclub in an old like nuclear power plant in the on the outskirts of Berlin, where there is like a huge you know rave happening, and he is without his normal handler, Diana. And so there's a sort of rookie handler who's trying to walk him through it. And there are six or there are five targets that you need to take out. There's all these ICA agents roving through the plant and you have to find out different ways to take them out. And there are no mission stories. And instead you have to just get close enough to these guys to figure out where they are because they're dressed like everybody else. Um, and so the first playthrough of that is very interesting because you have no idea where these guys are. You just have to explore until they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in subsequent playthroughs, it, it's still interesting, even though you know where they are, because there are like 50 different challenges to accomplish for that level. So the game is telling you all these different ways that you can take them out. And uh, this just feels like a regular 
Hitman level with two targets that is just missing the mission stories. There's no real narrative mm. justification for why you don't have them. And instead, there are sort of like points of interest. So there's like a... In the middle of the village, there is like a slap fight happening between uh, various dudes around the village who are like, you know, taking turns slapping each other and whoever, you know, caves, I guess, loses. And so you can go into that and then knock out, you know, a bunch of the militia leaders guys, which will, you know, make him offer, you know, you a job, basically. And that gets you into a private location with them where you can take him out. I see. Um, and then there are NPCs that are like, you know, will offer you. There's one that will like have you do like little fetch quests for her. And that eventually leads into something that dovetails with an assassination. But there's another guy who like is an NPC in a similar way. Who's offering you jobs that does not lead to that. So it is like, um, I feel like I can see what they're going for because it feels like they're trying to build on what Berlin was, which was like an interesting way to replace those mission stories with something else. Mm-hmm. But this feels like an evolutionary like half step in between, like, but in between mission stories and in between something new. But it doesn't feel fully realized on its own. At least it's not feeling that way to me yet. And I haven't seen everything that the level has to offer, but I have played through it several times, and I am not seeing the value in this as it stands as a replacement for mission stories. Interesting. Sounds a little bit tacked on, and for me in general, I never, I, I never really liked the like small villages and rural settings because like just the dissonance of Hitman being there, like mm. no, but everybody's gonna know this guy's not supposed to be here. <laughs> Who's this it, white me, guy? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. nonsense. I really like the ones that are like big parties or like the mm. the one that was a uh, like that big protest. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Mumbai. Yeah, or or the uh, the racetrack. Racetrack's yeah. a good one. Racetrack's so good. I really like the ones where you're trying to like blend in with a crowd and like working through. There's a lot of stuff going on, and you're like weaving mm-hmm. through it. It makes the sense ones... for you to be there. Like, yeah, yeah. the suburbs were are good as well. What was the suburbs one from? Yeah, um, yeah. Two. two. I think it was. Yeah, two. yeah. yeah. Yeah, all the ones yeah. where you're just like a guy in some remote village. It yeah, doesn't I, make any sense to me. Like militia. I mean, I can go boring. I can sort of go either way because Dartmoor is one of my favorites from Hitman Three, which oh, Dartmoor's good. Yeah, yeah, which is like it's like a you're it's like you're dropped into an Agatha Christie novel kind of where you're like trying to investigate all the members of this rich family and figure out who killed somebody. Uh huh. Um, and that one is. I enjoy a lot. That's like my favorite one to try and like run through because it is pretty compact, but also I don't know. I, I just find that one like exhilarating to stealth your way through. But yeah, I tend to agree that the cities are, or like, you know, urban areas are more fitting for what Hitman is. Um, But yeah, I feel like it really is the absence of mission stories that is like making this one not hit as hard for me. Mm-hmm. And it all just, also just kind of feels like stuff that they've done before, like having an underground lab where there is a, you know, thing that you need to take out in order to complete the level. That is just like Sapienza did that. Yeah. Um, the Chongqing level from Hitman 3 had something similar. So it, it just sort of feels like they're doing stuff that they've done before, but not quite as interestingly. 
hmm. which is sort of a bummer, but it also has just got me playing Hitman 3 again, which is one of the best games of all time, especially if you've got like all the content from the other World of Assassination trilogy games loaded into it, which you can do and have just like one big level launcher. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, um, it's it's more Hitman, right? Which is not right. a bad thing. And I mean, I'm having a good time with it. Like, it's not like I don't I think it would be better off if it had mission stories. But I did enjoy like figuring out the, you know, the last guided quest that they do have here where you like do errands for this woman until it leads into like an assassination opportunity. Like that was fun to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to have it have something where you are not guaranteed that it's going to lead you right to the target, which is the thing about mission stories that they sort of, they're designed to like show you an on rails path through the level to the target to give you ideas. Sure. And this is interesting because it doesn't, it's not as on rails. You have to figure some stuff out in between. And so that is like bringing Hitman's like open-ended gameplay to bear on like the story missions, which have not has not really been there in the past but i feel like there is a place for that guided content that gets people introduced to the level and teaches them how to you know that gives them ideas that they can use to like bring into the sandbox of their later playthroughs right is this going to be the last uh, dlc level they have not said originally they had said there weren't any plans to make um new maps for this game Uh uh-huh they have already brought, but then at some point they sort of changed their tune on that. Um, they have Elusive Target Arcade is in the game now. I haven't messed around with that at all, but it's like it brings back Elusive Targets that had previously just been in the game for a limited time hmm. and lets you play through those. So I wanted to spend some time with that. And they're also adding a roguelike um, version of the game where you can like, you know, randomize the items that are available to you. And I think also the locations of the targets and like, Oh, it's like a whole new, yeah, the freelancer mode. So they're adding that on at some point later on in the year. And they haven't said anything about a new map. I'm hoping that they do do another map because like the Hitman 2's DLC maps were pretty cool. Like they did the bank job, the bank heist, uh, level that was the first dlc they did for that and then they did an island like resort level and both of those were very mm. cool and i hope that they take another crack at it because i feel like if they want to try out this npc quest giver system instead of mission stories it needs one more iteration at least and if this is the i mean we don't know exactly what 007 will look like so maybe they'll bring a similar system forward into that but i would be sort of disappointed if this is where hitman the Hitman series ends for now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good, good. It's good. It's not great. Is how I feel about it. Okay. Well, I, I'm excited for their James Bond thing, but yeah, I think you're totally right. There's still a lot more room for, uh, evolution of the Hitman formula. I think. Yeah. Uh, George. Hello. Hi. You previewed exo primal. I did. Uh, this is a weird one. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are already writing it off. But man, I if I'm being honest, when that portal opens and all those motherfucking dinosaurs start pouring out of it, I start having some feelings. Yeah, so did I. Um, so I got to play the close technical test. I think it's the second one they've done. Um, and the first thing I'll say is 
why the hell was this at 1am UK time? This mm. was torture to stay up for. I was oh literally at 1am like, Ugh. Nobody but, cares. No. Well, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Ignore my pain. Um, it surprised me a lot, actually. I will shamefully admit that I'm one of those people that kind of went, this isn't Dino Crisis, why should I care? Mm, Despite right, yeah. having never played Dino Crisis. Uh-huh. You know, I just instantly wrote it off. Uh, it looked like Anthem, which meant bad. Um, and then I played it, and it's it's not there yet. Like, it doesn't do everything right, but the things it does do right, I think it's nailed. So, okay. like you say, Eric, about the portal stuff, like, I'll get to that, but that is one of the few times where I've been sat here and I've gone like, wow, this is like what technology can do now, you know? Like, it's so cool. Um, So basically, you start off and you pick like one of four mechs, well, they're exosuits. Um, You've got one that has like, is just sort of like the ranger, so just like an assault class. Uh, You've got one that is like dual-bladed and kind of played like a DMC character, but really watered down. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got a big tank who can use like the shield, and that, he's pretty cool. Uh, and then you've got like the worst class, which is support. It's just this guy that runs around healing people. I'm like, why would you want to do that? This is a dinosaur killing game. Like, screw that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you choose one of them. And also one of the cool things is that you can actually switch between them at any time. So mm. you can start off assault, but then if you see like loads of dinos coming, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll turn into a tank. You can just do that. Mm. Um, I haven't seen that. I can't think of any game that does that off the top of my head. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Considering they're massive exosuits, like it's kind of impressive that you're able to just jump between them. And if you want to have a team of five tanks, just <laughs> using shields and not really being able to do much, you can. Like you're an idiot if you do that, but you can. Mm, yeah. um, and that was like a really good first impression because they feel really fun to control. They're really fluid. Like the shooting's good. It kind of reminded me of Lost Planet, but not 15 years old. Mm. Um, and then you jump into the main mode, and this is where my problem kind of begins it's not pve and it's not pvp it's pvevp so Mm. you start off on this map and then you're basically just running between objectives and seeing who can complete them faster um and you'll get told and all the objectives are just kill this swarm of dinosaurs or collect a few cells that sort of thing so they're really simple but already i don't really like the idea of there just being like another team doing the same stuff as you competing it kind of just feels like if you're slightly behind there's just a sense of like losing all the time um do you do you interact with the other team at all well so when you're doing the first few stages they're just like a ghost so sort of like imagine like a racing game like a a time trial ghost so you can see them there but you can't interact with them and then once you've got to the final area which is where things get really rough which i'll explain in a sec you interact with them and it kind of becomes pvp um but until then, you're just running between swarms of dinosaurs, killing them. And that's all really fun. Um, the dinosaurs are really cool. Uh, there's loads of them on screen at once. Like, a really surprising amount. It really reminded me of Dead Rising at times, um, mm-hmm. which I love. So that was great. Uh, and then after a few rounds of that, you get to this point where, like, the AI voice starts talking about how, like, you've got a 5% survival rate. And it feels like a, it feels like a theme park ride. It's really cool because you look up in the sky... Mm-hmm. And there's this massive like black hole, and then literally a thousand raptors drop down from that in mm. real time, and you have to kill them all. And like, like I say, I, I was just I was loving it. It was so cool. Um, I'm gonna write about it 
at some point because it was just one of those, oh, wow, this is how far technology's come. Because these Raptors are like mm. pretty detailed and the game didn't slow down a tiny bit. And it was just, just the highlight for sure. Um, I don't know if it, I'd say... At the time, I was going, yeah, this justifies the game. This is totally worth playing for. I don't know if I'd agree with that now, because that was like 2 a.m. <laughs> sleep-deprived mm. state, but that's great. And then once you've done that, and that is still part of the PvPVE, so it's still tracking how fast you complete that bit, yeah. then you're just put into this like PvP mode where it's like, okay, so now you just have to collect enough cells against this team to win, or e escort this cube to the objective point and that just sucks like it's just not fun at all like they basically remove the dinosaurs and make it pvp and then suddenly you're just playing this game where it's like decent combat sort of generic exosuit stuff and i'm like i don't know why you do this hmm. like they've got they've got the right ingredients like the dinosaurs rule the combat's like pretty good like the exosuits they all have personalities so they could riff off of each other like just make left for dead but dinosaurs but third person I know that sounds really uninspired. Like that's yeah, just it sounds a lot different than that. Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> have, that. Have you, have you played similar games to this, like uh, like the cycle? Have you played that one? No, never heard of that. Have you played uh, like Gambit and Destiny Two? Uh, I know of Gambit and Destiny Two. Okay, I I think that all of these PvPVE games are very fascinating and always deeply flawed. Mm. so i'm not surprised to hear your impressions of this yeah. uh and i'm hopeful that it's something that they can fine-tune but i i have a feeling that it's not going to work out because gambit is uh in, in destiny 2 is a incredibly good idea that they've never been able to figure out how to really make good mm. and they've changed it really dramatically over the years more than any other game mode in destiny uh and they've never landed on an, an actual sustainable fair version because uh, it's a similar thing you're both on separate maps racing to complete it faster and every once in a while you fight each other yeah. but uh but it never feels very good to to uh win or lose uh and they can't really figure out how to balance it right and that it sounds like exoprimal might be similar i mean the the first point where i really realized what my problem with the game was was when on the last match I did, um, it it said, "Oh, you have your team has performed really well. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you up against this Neo T Rex, which was like this big, big boss." Um, and they're like, "As a surprise, the other team is fighting with you." So it was ten players on this like separate digital landscape sort of map going up against this massive T Rex. I was like, "This is awesome. Mm -hmm. This feels really cool." Um, and that was again, that was weird because it just came out of nowhere. There was no warning it just happened mid-match but i have to hope it's kind of like a sign that maybe more modes are on the way because at the moment it's just that mode and they describe it as the main one so i don't know if, if it was if it was its own separate mode like this dinosaur survival thing like if it was like a campaign and then this mode i'd be a lot more positive but because it is just this thing and it's a fully priced game like if it was free to play maybe i'd kind of be like yeah okay but because it's going to be fully priced, I can just see this falling on its ass when it comes out. Yeah. And that's a shame. Um, how many kinds of dinosaurs are you fighting? You mentioned the big T-Rex and like the all the raptors, but are there other like kinds of dinosaurs that you're going up against? 
so this is my great shame is that I'm not a massive dinosaur guy, but mm. I, I'll describe them to you, but I'm going to get like names wrong. <laughs> I'm just not going to use names actually, okay. but you've got raptors, you've got like a sniper kind of one that has like weird gills that shoots you from afar. Uh, okay. got, like, yes, my favorite one. kind of dinosaur, the sniper. <laughs> um, you've got like a poison gas one that will like blow up. Uh, mm. You've got, oh, I do sort of know the name of this one. They're kind of like rhinos, they're massive. Oh, trithera- Triceratops. Probably. Um, okay. And then you've got winged ones that are really annoying and shit to fight. So yeah, I, know, I guarantee one... there'll be more as well. There'll be a lot of them, but they're all really detailed and they're like a really interesting enemy to fight. Is the sniper one the kind that took out Newman in Jurassic Park when he was trying to escape with the dinosaur embryos? I think so. They're okay. Dilos. Dilos. Isn't that what are, what are they called? What's the full name? Okay. Dilosophorus. Dilosophorus. Killed a lot of them though. That's all I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, George, I think the game that you want exists, and it's called Second Extinction. I knew. I, I was trying to th- say that. You know. Um, I was trying to think of the name of that game. Yeah, I've I've heard of that, and it's I, my problem is is that Exoprimal's combat and third person view and all the exosuit stuff is really mm. really good. Mm. So like, I want that in a Left 4 Dead sort of level based thing. But I don't know. If Second Extinction has cool combat. I've seen like bits and videos of it. But if it is good, maybe I'll check it out. Uh it, I played it when it first launched in early access. I'm sure it's come a long way, but um, it is very much Left for Dead with dinosaurs. Though you are on a kind of an open map, and you get to choose what objectives you want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And the riskier you are, the better your rewards are. Um, but it has big hordes of dinosaur events that are very cool. Hmm. Mm. I'm not sure it can ever match the the storm of dinosaurs like that i'm still thinking about that today like it is that was mm. so cool yeah I, I want people to experience that at least um i'm not I sure they'll definitely bothered, try but... it mm. do you know when this thing is coming out 2023 but no okay. secure date but when okay. i played it besides content like besides not having many modes and not having like all of the exosuits like it it feels pretty close to being done like that mm. seems like a stupid thing to say because you can never tell from a closed test it might just be a slice of the game but Mm. it wouldn't surprise me if it's like early 2023 it sounds promising i mean if they have that much time left it seems like the issues that you have with it could definitely get fixed by the time they launch this thing yeah it it just depends on if they have some more modes for it if they sort of my problem is that it feels like to make it like a really good game it would have to be such a refocus like it isn't just i don't like this one element it's like I don't like how what the game plays like. I don't mm. like the mode it's chosen as its main mode, and I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure that can be changed. I'll, I'll still check it out when it comes out properly because I had I had a lot of fun with it. I just think it could be better. This is making me think that I should go and actually play more of Days Gone because I never got to the zombie horde, but that always seemed like the coolest thing about that game was like. I don't know. That is the cool game... thing about that game, but don't yeah. worry about finishing it. <laughs> yeah. See, I never even got to it. I never saw anything like that. I played like a solid eight hours of that game, but I never saw the horde. So it makes me want to mm. see what what how Deacon St. John handles himself when <laughs> that many zombies are after him and his little piddly bike. Uh, I want to talk about my game. Okay. What's your game, I'm, Eric? I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and now I'm going to talk about my game. 
Okay, I played uh, a couple hours of SD Gundam Battle Alliance. Now, does this have dinosaurs? Because it sounds like it sounds uh-huh. it sounds kind of uh-huh. like George's game, but without the cool part, which is the dinosaurs. <laughs> so, what is no. what does Gundam have to offer? Well, okay. First of all, who, do, who knows Gundam? Who's the who's it's, the real Gundam heads? I know of it. Mm. Jade, you're, you're a mecha queen. I'm not an expert, but I know things. Okay, I know nothing. No things. Mm. Not anything. No suit Gundam. I uh, things. Shit like that. I don't know why I was selected to play SD Gundam Battle Alliance because I I don't I don't know my Gundam seed, gamer. My seed destiny versus my command scrambles. I think mm. those are titles I just glanced well, command, at. Command Scrambles is like uh, a Demil at uh, Denny's, I believe. You're right. This is how yeah. confused I am. I don't know my the difference between Gundam's and Denny's breakfast. Right. Okay. I, here, here's what I know about this. Uh, it is a three-player co-op action RPG. The Gundam's are in a adorable chibi style which I've come to learn what there was a full Gundam series that was in this like chibi style. Mm. Um, the story is fascinating. It uh, is all of the key moments from all of Gundam history of 25 different generations of Gundam. You are re experiencing all of these moments in this chibi style, but mm. however, except uh things are wrong this time Mm. characters are out of place events have changed from Uh how they originally happened there's flip-flops going on there's too many flip-flops and it's bad news for the multiverse so essentially your job is to uh go on these missions and replay all of these key moments from gundam history and correct the sacred timeline Mm. Uh, it's basically loki this is my how this is how broken my brain is. It's it's just the TV show Loki. Mm. Uh and you are uh the time variance authority and you're correcting the sacred Gundam. It's not my comic book movies. Mm. Yeah. Man, I there we have we've reached a critical mass of multiverse stuff. It's true. But at least this is contained to just Gundam. The yeah. uh, Bugs Bunny and LeBron James don't show up in this one. Well, the, see, they that's a Not yet, they Yeah, um, not yet, they don't. He, here's the thing. This is a full-price release, but it's mm. also a character collector, uh, which means you will play the game, and you will collect Gundams, and you will collect a fuckload of Gundams, oh, dude. Fuck. Mm. Like, I played, like, three missions, and I already have, like, 15 of them or something. So you and don't have to pay real money have, for like, the Gundams? For the Gundams. You both asked different questions, and I got confused. Oh, no. Okay, Jade asked if there was a trophy room. I don't know. No. Okay, I was too invested in the combat. Jade, do you want to ask my question? <laughs> no, you got it. You got it. <laughs> okay, um, I don't remember what it was. Oh, <laughs> me, me It was uh, so you don't have to pay for. You pay you sixty pay... bucks. Right, the game, but you don't have to pay after that. Right. There's no like loot boxes or like There's anything no like that. No loot boxes. You okay. do the missions. They you kill guys. They drop item. They drop uh, schematics, and then you just have new Gundams to play. And 
all of the Gundam suits have completely different kits. There's three different sort of like class archetypes. And then within them, each Gundam has different weapons, different combos, different ultimate abilities. Uh, and it is cool as hell to collect these things and see how different their play styles are. It is a, um, it's kind of like a, a spectacle fighter. I would say like, mm. It's not that far off from something like a Devil May Cry, but it's not combo focused. It's more like cooldowns because you have all these different abilities. You've got like your range, your two different weapons, your alts, and you're managing your cooldowns while you're dashing around enemies and holding your shield up and trying to break their stagger meter so that you can deal extra damage. And it's just like really fast. It's really fun. What is the perspective? I hate to say. Uh, Third person. Third person, and you're kind of just in these arenas sometimes. You know, it depends on, like, where the story takes you. But sometimes you're in, like, a city, and you're just, like, Mm. you know, the buildings are up to your knees. The skyscrapers are, like, to scale really small. And you're just, like, fighting other mech suits in a city. Did you ever ever play Custom Robo? No. Okay. It sounds kind of like Custom Robo, but I would have to see it to see if it actually would feel anything like that. I just really loved... Mm. Oh, sorry. I was just going to talk some more about Custom Robo. It's not really important. It's just <laughs> an old game that I liked when I was a kid. I just really loved collecting these little guys. Like, if they came in blind boxes, I would buy all of them. Yeah. i put them See, on a little shelf. This is making me think you should get into actual Gundam and build some Gundams. I don't want to build them. I just yeah. want to have them. Yeah. <laughs> I think don't do it. What, what, <laughs> I think what this game needs is like a 3D printer, so you can yeah, like especially branded 3D printer, so you can you know print your Gundams off. There's just they're so adorable, and there's so many of them. Uh, and I I love three player co op games. And if you're just playing by yourself, it has a really cool uh companion system, so you get to choose which pilots you want to bring and which which Gundams they pilot. And they progress and level up and get new abilities too. So if you don't want to play multiplayer, um, you still get a nice like progression loop there. Um, the missions are super short. They're just like a few minutes. Um, my big problem with them, well, there's two things. One, this seems small, but it is very frustrating. The camera doesn't have a auto follow. Like mm. the camera won't just follow behind you because you're because you're fighting most of the time and you're locked onto enemies. Uh, it's fine when you're in combat, but when you're just like moving around and shit, it's like very frustrating because you have to hold circle to fly, but then you have to move the sticks to, oh, to no. see where you're going. So that is rough. The other thing is that there's no English VO, which mm. normally is like whatever, but um, everybody's talking during the missions, constantly talking, talking, talking. And I'm trying to fight. I'm trying to punch and kick. And I cannot punch and kick and read subtitles at the same time. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's too much. And they never stop. And I know I'm missing the entire story because I can't read and do combos at the same right. time. Um, but other than that, I think it's, uh, I, it's, it's super fun. And I don't know anything about Gundam. And I still had a lot of fun because uh, I know everything about Loki. And that, mm. that bridged the gap for me. Is this right. Gundam game out? it's not there's a demo that comes out today what mm. comes out at friday 
um okay. which should pretty much be what i played i think but uh i think you should play the demo i'm curious uh, yeah i i i the the cute little chibi mechas is what brought me in but a- the actual like fighting and combat uh was very satisfying super fun little gundam game i'm never now, gonna talk you... about gundam again after this i don't know i feel so are stupid. you gonna play more of this are you gonna play more of this area yeah yeah, I really want to entice some friends to play because it, you know, the co-op seems to be where it's at. Uh, because it's class-based, you can have like an all-arounder in there mixing it up, and then have your ranged, you know, glass cannon guy trying to shoot him from a distance. Like, I like the idea of sort of bringing like a holy trinity into mm-hmm. uh, into the arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm playing it solo, I'm probably going to play long enough to collect ev- all of the guys because I, you know, because my brain is broken and I must <laughs> collect them all. <laughs> Did you know there's unicorn Gundams? Yeah, I feel like Gundam I've seen fucking those. Those places, Eric. There's they have like big angel wings too. Mm. I, I went. I went to the big Gundam statue in Tokyo. That was pretty sick. Mm, I saw one in moves? Thailand. They're real big, aren't they? huge massive there was a uh, really big ones at comic-con last Ooh. weekend uh gundams are cool i don't that's all i know i don't need doesn't to know it, any more than that does the statue move i thought i remember there being something about the statue i think that's a different one it makes noise okay. and lights up but they they mm. replaced the one in tokyo it used to be like a traditional gundam and that's a different one hmm all right, George is sending me pictures of Pickle Rick, so I think it's time to wrap up <laughs> the show. Thank you all. Well, I bet there's a Pickle Rick Gundam. <laughs> I bet there is a Pickle Rick Gundam. Uh, I've seen the Hello Kitty Gundam. I thought that was awesome. I hope that's in this game. That's going to do it for the show this week. We'll be back next week to talk about video games, I assume, and maybe other stuff, too. Mm. You never know with us. Yeah, we surprise. Yeah. Do you know what to expect on the game of Paul? There will be we surprises. Got curveballs. We got our fastball, which is when we talk about Morbius. That's our fastball. Anime. We are going to deliver. We're going to toss it down the middle. A Morb reference or two. Uh-huh. We got our curveballs too. We might talk about something you didn't know you were going to hear about. Morbius two. That's right. And yeah, you won't Morbius know two, baby. That's right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.